Hello and welcome to the Worst Movies We Own podcast. This is my wife, Natalie, and I am her husband, Bobby. And this week we are covering the most politically charged film we probably ever will cover. <laughs> you don't mess with the Zohan. From what year? 2008. He's silky, he's smooth, and he's harder than trigonometry. Natalie, tell the people at home what the Worst Movies We Am podcast is all about. So, me and Bobby watch a lot of films together, and uh, we have decided to watch the worst DVDs we own, according to the average rating each one's received on the website Letterboxd. Uh, we're hoping that some of these low-rated films will actually surprise us and be not so bad as the people say. Uh, so we're watching each one with an open mind, uh, even the ones we've seen before, hoping for the absolute best. Just to say we've not bought any of the DVDs specifically for this. Um, it's a mixture of things that we've accumulated over the years, a lot of stuff in box sets, sequels, threequels, etc. Um, and some stuff, it's just things that we've bought because we rate and other people don't like You Don't Mess With The Zohan. People don't like You Don't Mess With The Zohan. Natalie. Do you like You Don't Mess With The Zohan? Bobby, I do like You Don't Mess With The Zohan. It's not my favourite Adam Sandler film. It's by no means in my top 100 comedy films. Top 10 Adam Sandler? Uh, probably, yeah. He makes a lot. That's the thing. It is difficult mm. to, to pick. And he's got a house style. Possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and this is, is a middling Adam Sandler film for me. Um, the, there are some jokes that fall flat that, that I don't enjoy but there's a lot in there that I really do and I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it again Brilliant, anything you want to get off your chest before we start? I think that it's a lot, most of what I have to say is going to be elicited from your usual questions, okay. I would just say that it would be nice to have a little chat at some point about Adam Sandler films in general Why don't we start so off it there? it makes sense as to where this fits in Yeah, let's, let's, start there. Uh, let's start there uh, What was your first Adam Sandler experience? Poor it was Paul. Okay. Not, not that's not the name of a film. No, I mean, it could be. He's got about 100 of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, when I was young, when I was a kid, I remember watching the first Adam Sandler films I saw on TV, and it was stuff that had come onto TV at that time. So we're talking Little Nicky. Yeah. Um, and uh, Anger Management, I remember going to see. Yeah, none of, these, none of these are the best, but what I would say is I think Adam Sandler's a little bit like a Rorschach test that... If you talk to anyone and they asked, you're going to get people who just instantly dismisses all, all of his oeuvre unless it's mm -hmm. by a, a famous director, one of his kind of occasional lapses into respectability. Oh, yeah. Which, which are all great. Yeah. But when you go to his kind of uh, Happy Madison production, his group ensemble kind of films, which is mainly what he does, what he makes. Yeah. Uh, you could ask anyone which ones they secretly enjoy or which ones they like, and everyone's got a different list. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know... So yeah, you, you. I think you kind of saw some of the sort of more box office friendly ones that yeah. maybe aren't quite as good. Yeah, and it, and it put me off. And for years, mm. I would have been one of those people who would just dismiss Adam Sandler out of hand. Mm. And then I think I was I was at university, and either on TV or someone had the DVD of um, the Wedding Singer. Yeah, and I watched that, and and it was and it's great. I mean, it, the Wedding Singer is, is it's one it's, of his very best films. It's one of the funniest romantic comedies ever. Yeah, and it's lovely. And that opened the door to the type of Adam Sandler film that I like. And he is so good. Better than... I'd, I'd say it better than anyone else I can think of at making those lovely, old-fashioned, but updated American romantic comedies. Yeah. He's like a James Stewart for the new age. Wow. I wasn't expecting that Yeah, statement. I think maybe I wouldn't trust him as much in a war situation. No, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm mean, not saying is... he is James Stewart, I'm just saying that films, he, when I say that I'm specifically thinking of films like um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Yeah, and, and that kind of like lovely, you know, there's a schmuck who 
who is a man of the people and he's a good person and he gets thrust into a situation where he has to take on corporate America yeah. or, or the, a corrupt political system and he wins. Mm. Well, he famously or infamously remade Mr. Deeds, which is a Frank Capra. Yeah. Even though Gary Cooper plays Mr. Deeds in the Frank Capra one, it's kind of a James Stewart role as well. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the little town guy who comes, but wasn't very well reviewed or liked. But again, I would say, like you don't mess with Zohan, it's not top tier Sandler. It's not, but it's certainly a Sandler that I would watch again because there's enough jokes and uh, appearances from actors that I like in it. Mm-hmm. And it's sold with such a beautiful, uh, fun, broad soundtrack. It is An Adam Sandler film is filled with one-hit wonders mm-hmm. and pop bangers from a particular era yeah. that just kind of give it such an energy and an enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, that's a very easy way to kind of inject um, likability into a film. But no one does it quite like Adam Sandler's house style does of, you know, Every other scene is either a montage or a music sequence to an absolute hit that makes you smile. Yeah, but he doesn't go for the obvious choices. He doesn't just fill his films full of, like, Build Me Up Buttercup yeah. and, and songs that everyone likes but, you know, yeah. knows too well. It's He picks really interesting songs. You yeah. know them. Well, yeah. not in every case. Cause yeah, he, he, again, he revives. I think, I think he's got a really good eye for what's not being used by other people that, and you can say this in his casting as well, that there's something an audience would like. I mean, he's a man who's championed the careers of people like Kevin James and Rob Schneider Mm -hmm. um, and kept people like Chris Rock and David Spade very much in the public eye Mm -hmm. when their other projects maybe aren't doing quite as well. He's brought his kind of crew from the 90s along with him of people he likes. I assume that um, the guy from Tommy Boy... Chris Farley yeah. would, have, would have been very much part of the house style as well. Mm-hmm. And my first Adam Sandler film I remember watching is Airheads. Okay. Which is uh, Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler yeah. take over the Nakatomi Plaza so they get some record play. Yeah. It's kind of like a diehard spoof. Uh-huh. Um, kind of a Bill and Ted's Wayne's World kind of vibe. And it's not the best film in the world but he was third build in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he plays the idiot out of three three idiots but the real idiot yeah um and he does a really good job in that and again that's a film that has that kind of same there's a massive ensemble around these comedy performers of one or two scene characters that absolutely sell it and bring it and mm-hmm. you know you, you don't mess with zohan isn't the best of these type of films but it's a really good example of what he does well yeah and, and it, in lots of different ways like there are elements of of the good bits of, of all of his films which he brings together and but he doesn't do the absolute best in each case. So yeah. it, what you get is a very good, enjoyable experience, but it's never going to be a classic. What I would say about You Don't Mess With Zohan uh, that maybe makes it stand out just a little bit is uh, it's probably one of his riskier projects that he's done mm-hmm. that has been sold as a mass-market comedy film. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously things like Uncut Gems and um, Punch Drunk Love are riskier projects for him. Yeah. yeah, but this you know does uh, go along the fine line of you know, it takes in the Arab Israeli Palestine uh, Gaza Strip conflict and makes very much light of it, but yeah. has a message that is very much if we get along in America, why can't we get along in that area of the of the globe? <laughs> yeah, which is naive and it's superficial, but it's a lot more enjoyable than watching a satire something yes. that is is trying to be a satire and is working too hard at it I, I would say Zohan Zohan's got zero satirical content <laughs> no. it just takes something that's like literally a very uh, hot potato a ticking time bomb of a topic and somehow manages to make a really fun light film full of broad jokes yeah uh, and you know I can't see Woody Allen or um, I'll try to think of a more sophisticated comedian Who's, who's around today? Woody Allen. I'm trying to think of one who hasn't been caught. Me too in. Because I was going to Louis C.K. next. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, I think you see what I mean. Like kind of, there's, there's comedians out there who seem as far more intelligent. Tina Fey. Probably, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see them making quite such an inoffensive yet funny film as this on the subject. No. No. Okay, do you want to tell people, seeing as we've you know, touched on what the plot of You Don't Mess With Zohan is before I do the numbers? 
Yeah, so the Zohan is uh, Israel's top counter-terrorist. Um, and he is an absolute hero, and he can do no wrong, and he's living in Israel, but his secret ambition is to move to America and work at the Paul Mitchell hair salon. He wants to be a hairdresser. So he takes advantage of a situation where people think he's dead to move, to relocate to America, assume an identity, and become a hairdresser. But when he gets there, he finds that the streets aren't paved with gold, Paul Mitchell's not interested, because uh, his fashions are outdated, mainly because his most recent version of the Paul Mitchell annual yeah. is from like 1984 <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, so he starts working at a, a, a small hairdressing salon run by a Palestinian mm-hmm. in uh, a rundown area of New York. And in that rundown area of New York, uh, a, a corrupt, horrible, evil businessman is trying to put up a mall, so mm-hmm. he's trying to evict um, the residents of this ethnic diverse area to yeah to get out and cool um you don't mess with the zohan uh, as made in 2008 it's directed by dennis duggan uh, who's directed eight adam sandler films mm-hmm. everything from just go with it to both grown-ups to earlier ones yep um he also like didn't start his career as a film director he was um an actor in lots of films and sitcoms and tv episodes and then in the 90s eventually moved on to uh Directing episodes. He's even directed an NYPD Blue. Oh, right. Um, written by Adam himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Schmeigel, who's one of his Saturday Night Live co-mates from the 90s. Right. Uh, and Judd Apatow did the first pass of the script. Okay. Uh, but uh, washed his hands of it once it was funded, finally made, saying he hasn't been involved in the project for six or seven years okay. when it came out. Fair enough. Uh, that explains why there's not like a really boring half hour somewhere in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's no bit going, what happened to the funny film? Why are these people crying <laughs> in the corner? <laughs> um, it stars Adam Sandler, John Turturro, Emmanuel Shrieky, uh, Nick Swardson, Rob Schneider, uh, Henry Winkler, Mariah Carey, and John McEnroe. It was made for the massive budget of ninety million. Uh, I assume a lot of that went on Sandler, mm. and then a lot of it also went on CGI animals, oh. of which there's a lot. Yeah, no animals were harmed <laughs> in the making of it, but it's <laughs> CGI a film animals. Where you would struggle to say how did they spend quite so much money apart from the occasional kind of silly action sequence, mm. but then there are a lot of CGI animals in it for some, <laughs> some reason. Um, it made thirty eight million in its opening weekend in the states on July the sixth, two thousand and eight, topping out a hundred million. Good score for a comedy. Um, two hundred four million around the world. Uh, in Israel, it made two point five million in two thousand and eight. Do you think that's a good uh, haul for a film in Israel? I have no idea. Two point five million dollars. Two point five million dollars for its entire run in Israel, considering it's it's probably the most uh, Israel based film uh, ever released. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know how much they like the cinema. You never see cinemas on the news. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It came fifth in the box office, and uh, which is a lot higher than it did around the, the rest of the world. Okay. So it, it was a, it was oh, a right. hit Good. behind Family Favourites and The Dark Knight and Sex and the City 1. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it's got an internet movie database score of 5.5. Not good, but mm. not the worst we've had on here. Yeah. And a letterbox score of 2.2, which is... Silly low. Yeah. Silly, silly low. Right, let's have a break and then we will break down the Zohan. Okay. Natalie. Yeah. What did you like about You Don't Mess With The Zohan? I liked the jokes. (laughs) There were lots of jokes. It's jam-packed. It's jam-packed. And like I said before, some of them are just not for me. There were quite a few just crude for the sake of being crude he bangs a lot of old ladies in the middle section yeah he humps uh, a door is you can see his crotch move mm. uh, at some point do you know what it reminded me a lot of away from your obvious adam sander film mm. is it reminded me a lot of a john waters film okay like it's in what way? yeah it it's bad taste it's exploring areas that are not supposed to be open towards broad comedy uh, obviously the budget's a lot higher and the performances are slicker than mm. the John Waters early film. But it had the same kind of line of we are going to make jokes in this area and we're not going to show any judgment at all. For example, 
there's lots of old lady banging in the film. Yeah. There's a lot, and, and yes, you are supposed to laugh at the fact that old ladies are having sex mm. and absolutely loving it. But I don't think you ever see the old ladies as being lecherous or not deserving of passion or love still. And that to me kind of is what makes John Waters work is the fact that he could have the most freakiest perverts and uh, degenerates in his film. And as long as they're not evil in their intention, which some people are, are mm. you're supposed to respect their lifestyle. And I think, you know, the message of Zohan has a little bit of that. You could be a terrorist, but if you've got ambitions to run a business, you're fine. You can be a death squad soldier. And as long as you uh, want a more peaceful life, that's, you know, your passion follow you around. I suppose so. I didn't really quite think of it in John Waters terms, but I agree that if even for a moment you start to question the appropriateness of, of any of these things, any of you're it. not going to enjoy it. <laughs> you, you just have to to leave mm. that at the door and just enjoy it for what it is. The the old lady banging, the first time they kind of make that joke about it, it's it's all right. It's quite funny, mm. but then it's not even it's not even the the hairdresser it, it, you know because when he when he gets to be a hairdresser he also at the same time becomes kind of a gigolo um but before that he's already kind of started spreading it around with like an older very yeah. confident jewish lady and yeah. that is quite funny mm. uh all the all the banging the old ladies i didn't really find it that funny the first time the second third fourth time the same joke kind of crops up and turns yeah. around I'm, I'm you know i've checked out by that point i'm not what I'm going to say as a negative, what I didn't enjoy about the film is, if it hits a joke, whether it's a good one or a bad one, it will bring it back six or seven times. Yeah. And there's not, even some of the really good stuff, like the jokes about hummus and fizzy bubbly, which you absolutely love, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe do get a bit tiresome by the very end. Yeah. It, but it is a film that has decided that it is going to be joke, 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 joke. Mm. And rather than write, X number of different jokes to, in order to achieve that, like in a Marx Brothers film, where it's yeah. joke, 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 and they're all different. This does, like you say, repeat stuff. And the actually the hummus, the repetition of the hummus joke, I do quite enjoy because it gets used in different ways. There's like a recurring joke where you know hummus people is like love some, hummus, yeah. but then they use it for everything. everything. So it's used to brush your teeth. It's used as a hair product. At the end, you they can, use it to put out a fire. Yeah. That kind of thing. Some people even eat it during the film. <laughs> yeah, that does happen a couple <laughs> of times, um, but. Moving away from the negative, because we're talking about the positive yeah. now, um, it's got a lot of really good jokes, and, and it's different types as well. There are really good visual jokes, which some of which are, are just quite subtle, you know, you, you might not even really acknowledge them. There's a bit near the beginning where his dad, it's, it's a hummus joke, mm. it is a hummus one, but he's, he dips his glasses into scoop yeah, yeah. the hummus and eats it, and that's really funny. But even that, it's, it's, it's a throwaway soft soul joke. It's not yeah. like, they don't cut to a close-up of him doing it. No. It's there as part of the scene as it goes along. And I think there's a lot of that in the film that's really, really good in terms of there's another scene where a bit of exposition's being said and they still have a shot of Adam Sandler weeing on a cat. Yeah. Uh, which is completely unnecessary, but if they can sneak in an extra joke while another joke's happening, they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes it a really, really busy film and maybe sometimes a little bit overwhelming film. But I remember in the cinema laughing my arse off. And the second time, I think when me and you watched it together for the mm-hmm. first time, laughed my arse off. This time, I laughed a lot. Yeah. And I think if a comedy makes you laugh 20 times out loud, it's done its job. And yeah. That, yeah, and that's quite a high bar. Not many comedies actually get past that kind of 20 laugh out loud laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily know Zohan's got like, at least 40 or 50. Well, that's it. Think how many times you go to the cinema to, to see a modern comedy being released and you can sit through the entire thing and hear just a few chuckles. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and that's not what you know. People should be laughing consistently, loudly the whole way through yeah. comedy. That's what it's for. Um, there are also good puns. Um, I mean, the, we were saying that the political stuff is not satirical, um, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be funny. And sometimes yeah. it is funny. Yeah. Um, you know, there are quite a few jokes about about the Middle East uh, politics and stuff. You don't need to know no much anything about, about it. it. No, yeah, no, it's no. still funny. So it's the, accessible. The the best close to satire joke they had was there's an early action sequence where um, Zohan is running around killing te- uh, defeating terrorists mm-hmm. and uh, one of them wants to engage him in a conversation about the rights and the wrong of the Palestine-Israel mm. conflict and we wielding a big machete goes it's not so cut and dry and, yeah. and that's given to 
the uh, the bad guy in mm-hmm. that scene rather than the good guy in that scene. And I think the film makes quite a clear point that there's no good guys or bad guys, even yeah. if we happen to be following the Israelis at the beginning. Uh, you know, let's move on if we don't live there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and there are lovely little jokes as well, like um, near the beginning where, his, uh, where the Zohan expresses an interest to maybe do something different with his life. Um, and his parents want him to stay in the Israeli army because uh, they say, you know, it's a good job. So they say at some point, you know, um, I, can't, I can't remember if they play it safe, stay in the yeah, army. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a really nice joke. Mm. Um, so for, 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 for every joke that you don't like, um, there, there are three or more that you, you, do. That yeah. you do. And because there are jokes that I don't like, you, you know, it guarantees that there are people out there who those bits they're really enjoying and maybe enjoying other bits less. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because it just means it's got a really broad appeal. Yeah. Um, anything else you liked? I liked the... I like this this idea of having an ensemble cast. Like, mm. you talked about it before and, and how Adam Sandler kind of brought actors along with him. Mm. I don't like everyone in his entourage. No, he's got he's got some real smelly socks in his entourage. Yeah, we'll talk but, about Nick Swarton when we get on to <laughs> the, the dislikes. But um, the, the good people in his, his in this ensemble are, are really good. Um you know, John Turturro, he'll talk about a little bit more yeah. as well. Because he's, he, he's got John Turturro and Steve Buscemi, who are very respectable actors, yeah. who are quite happy to turn up every other film and even play a big role or a small role. Yeah, um, still. Which, yeah. And, and that's, that's you know, and that, that's great. And John Turturro plays a big role in this one. He he's second kind of like the main antagonist, yeah. Mm. Um, and then you've got people like Chris Rock as well. And he's he's been in films where Chris Rock plays a more prominent mm. role. Like there's a Netflix one, which yeah. I really enjoyed called The Week Of. Mm. Um, in this one, it's literally just one scene. Mm-hmm. It's one joke, yeah. but it is one of the best jokes of the film. It's, he, he has his one scene and he knocks it out of the park because yeah. that, that punchline at the end of the scene <laughs> is, 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 is a killer and then it's got a topper. And I don't think you could even watch the next scene. It's such a funny joke. It it's probably the best funny. joke in the film. Yeah. Uh, but yet, like you say, the fact... I don't think that scene would exist if Chris Rock wasn't playing the part. No. Uh, but, you know, Chris, are you available for a scene? Yeah, we'll write you a scene. It's going to be good. It's going to be worth you turning up. Um, I don't think maybe always kind of Rob Schneider or Kevin James gets quite the same attention. No, but they're, they're not... They're something different. I, I like them both. Mm. I like Rob Schneider. He is a chameleon. He, <laughs> he, he, he could play any ethnicity... In the world, yeah, without causing offence, mm. <laughs> and then Kevin James is just very likable. Like he's, he's yeah, cuddly and cute and sweet, and it's impossible not to like him. I think mm. um, he doesn't bring that much funny no. to anything, but he's, it's nice to have him there. It's I think I think generally generally it's unfair to judge these kind of mid-level comedy people who are part of the Sandler Ensemble mm-hmm. and also, um, you know, are famous for their one big thing. Like, yeah. Kevin James is King of Queens. It's on every morning before you wake up. Mm-hmm. So it's literally there for people who maybe have woken up just a little bit early. And it's, you know, he did that for seven or eight years. It was a hit sitcom. He probably doesn't need money anymore. He did a few films off the back of it, mm-hmm. but mainly he's famous for being in Adam Sandler production since. But he must have done a decade on the stand-up circuit mm. and in smaller parts before he got that opportunity to, to lead a sitcom. He deserves his success. And then you look at someone like Ray Romano who was in very very much the same boat mm-hmm. and now he's in Scorsese films and he's fucking brilliant yeah. when he's in Vinyl or The Irishman. He was the best thing in The Big Sick. Uh, yeah, he was the best thing in The Big Sick. So I think it's unfair to write these people off just because the way they come to fame is in a middling sitcom mm-hmm. that's inoffensive and just had runs for a long time. Yeah. Um, they've, yeah. They've got a lot more talent in them. Now, there's other people... I don't think we're ever going to see a Rob Schneider film mm-hmm. that uh, make, is anything like Chris Rock, what he, what he does when he's away from the Sandra Ensemble. No, no. <laughs> Whenever I've watched a film led by Rob Schneider... I, if I've got through the entire thing, <laughs> I've tended not to, been, mm. to have enjoyed it very much. Mm. Um, but when he is playing, and it doesn't have to be a tiny role, because he's got quite a substantial role in You Don't Mess With Zohan, mm. he does a fine job, he does accents, he, he... He looked a little bit ill in this one. He looked quite thin. They put dark he... circles around his eyes, but I think that was just like slightly racist makeup. Okay. He is, he is from... Um... 
He's playing a Palestinian in this. Yes. Or a Middle Eastern gentleman. He is, yeah. Uh, they do brown him up a little bit, which happens quite often with Robert Schneider. Yeah. Uh, because he's got an ethnicity that's not white or Jewish mm-hmm. in real life. And then, therefore, he's their go-to guy when they want to do an ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well that's going to hold up in maybe 10 or 15 years' time. I don't know. But, I mean, that's the joke in itself. Mm. Like, you go and see a Rob... Uh, an Adam Sandler film to see what ethnicity Rob Schneider is playing in this one. It it is the joke. It's not him kind of like superhuman a role that could have been taken on by an, a person of that actual ethnicity. Uh, I mean, not Jonathan Price. I don't. I don't think there were many Palestinian actors queuing up to be part of the no probably the, not. the, the Zohan project. Yeah, um, and we know that. Um, Adam doesn't have any Palestinians in his ensemble at the moment, his entourage. <laughs> not, not um, I really like the Adam Sandler ensemble entourage. I don't think their films that are produced by Adam Sandler are away from the ones he stars and are worth watching. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever sit down to watch Zookeeper or uh, The Hot Chick or uh, Grandma's Boy or anything like that. These, these are all you know, little side projects. But yeah. I, do f- I do think it's nice that our generation, even though we don't really recognise it, have our own kind of carry-on ensemble of mm. there's about 15 people who at least eight of them will be in an Adam Sandler film mm-hmm. and then if the others aren't available they'll be in the next one and they've got a steady paycheck they stay in the public eye mm-hmm. um, and it's really really nice and you've got your favourites and you've got your ones you don't like which we'll get onto eventually yeah. um, I think it's I think it's a really really nice thing and uh, I remember listening to uh, Mark Maron podcast where he interviewed Chris Rock mm-hmm. and uh Chris Rock was asked, what about Eddie Murphy and his entourage of people he brings along to every project or everywhere he think he does? Mm. And Chris Rock quite rightly brought up Adam Sandler saying, it's a working class thing, it's not a colour thing. Yeah. Um, working class people bring the people they get along with on, to, on with them to the next bit of work. Mm. And I think it's a really nice example of someone who could easily um, cast nobodies and have complete power on his projects or only cast famous people who are going to add to the prestige of the project. Yeah. But he brings his own guys along, and if you see someone he likes in a smaller role or on the stand-up circuit, they become part of that group, Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else you liked? I liked the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> We've already talked a little bit about, um, about the music that Adam Sandler puts in his films being really good fun. And this one, it does have those kind of like one-hit wonders and stuff like that. But um, it's also got a bit of what I assume is Israeli pop music yeah. every so often, which I love. You like the like disco, your, disco, good, good. Like, yeah, disco, <laughs> disco. <laughs> it's it's like Eurovision uh, at its best. Because mm. um, let's face it, you know Israel is good at Eurovision. Okay. That is one of their their best achievements, mm. I think. Um, but the the music's really good the whole way through, and it it, it sets the mood. And it makes it fun. It makes it light, especially when he's dancing and yeah. gyrating. A lot of gyrating. Uh, how did you feel about Adam Sandler's butt double? Oh, that wasn't his butt. No, he's never he's never face on whenever you see the butt. Oh, even in mirror shots. I'm sure he's got a nice little high knee. Yeah, not, not as nice as that man who got a lot of lot of screen time. Yeah, he was nothing special. <laughs> nothing special. No. Uh, I mean. Adam Sandler was told they could paint on abs to him, but he decided to work out. And you have the weird sight of a man who's a little bit overweight, yeah. but does have a six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could aim for this, if this is what you like in a man. Yeah, I, I'm all right. <laughs> I think he looked good. He looked good whenever he had his He looked like, a, looked like a middle-aged man who's definitely been at the weights for a week. Yeah. yeah. Plus, um, it's commitment to the role, that is. Yeah, they could just paint them on. Anything else you liked? Maybe things that I will think of later on. I kind of like the fact that um, the the real enemy of the piece is, you know, corporate corporate America, white America Cap- wasps. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, so you've got the you've got the corporate bastards who are trying to ruin yeah. this part of New York, but you've also got a small band of racists, redneck racists that yeah. they recruit to help them. Um, I will say the villain of the piece does feel like a thrown in afterthought. He doesn't get a lot of screen time or good lines. It's almost like they probably realised we haven't given the CEO that wants to take over the area any actual 
airtime. Yeah. And because they didn't get like a Christopher McDonald or a, <laughs> that, it or would a help. Jack Palance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would help if it was a recognisable face. Yeah. Uh, because he does just like any old white man. He does, it does at one point in his big scene say his own name really enthusiastically for no reason. <laughs> Whoa, green! To remind you who he is. I guess so. It's almost, yeah, it's almost like a rallying cry to himself. Yeah. Mm. Do you know somebody who could have played that role really well? <laughs> Spader. Oh, yeah. We answered that. I don't know, I'm anticipating just, a just, question. Just crossing Spader off the list. Yeah. There we but go. It seems like an opportunity. Early days. Moment, so. <laughs> well, he, he can't play Jewish or Palestinian or Lebanese. He, can he certainly cannot play any of those, <laughs> any of those ethnicities. No. Uh, no. Um, cool. What didn't you like? Uh, oh, shall we just start with Nick Swardson? Yeah. Because I don't want to shit all over him because he's, he's, he's not very talented and he doesn't really deserve to be... Yeah. In film. I think before. it's fair to say we've talked about Adam Sandler bringing along the guys from his Saturday Night Live days mm-hmm. and his early days in films yeah. and making sure if, there's a, if they're available for a role, there's a role for them writing something in. Uh, doesn't seem to be any falling outs mm-hmm. in terms of that either. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still working together. Um, but recently, I'd say, is in the last 15 years, his brum of new guys has maybe just been a little bit off. Yeah. And Nick Swartzen's probably the best example of someone who's been in quite a few of the later Adam Sandler films who really is a distasteful presence in the films. Um, yeah, it's really strange in this one as well. His his role could easily not be there. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't add anything to the action of the piece. He plays a, a young man who the Zohar meets very early on, you know, his first friend in New York, who he saves from an irate driver. And Nick Swardson takes him home to his mom. Mm. Um, and that becomes the Zohan's kind of base for, for the rest of the film. But he doesn't add anything to the plot other than that. And, it, you know, the mother character yeah. could easily be there on her own. Yeah. Um, it does feel like he's a character but once he's served his purpose is in too many scenes after that yeah and it's difficult to tell whether the role was written for Nick Swardson and they made it really unchallenging because they know his talents are limited yeah I think really if Nick Swardson just he must you know if he's got a bit of self-awareness he just stepped aside and said you know what just leave me out of this one Um, he doesn't he doesn't (laughs) because uh, I mean last year there was a big comedy tour where you had like kind of Adam Sandler oh, was the yeah. headliner, Kevin James, maybe David Spade turned up occasionally to do a set, of course uh-huh. Rock, but Nick Swardson was like third build. Yeah. And I'd be out getting snacks and drinks during that half hour. Yeah. Avoid, yeah, probably joining a very large queue for <laughs> Do you know anything about what a stand-up's like? I, um, not really. I mean, I did try, I, I kind of tried to research him a little bit, knowing that we talk about him on this. Mm. And he'd been going since he was 18. Mm-hmm. He comes from Minneapolis, mm. uh, which uh, in the 90s had a really big kind of stand-up scene. He used to have a, a massive comedy club within the Mall of America. Okay. So, um, but no, I... I mean, obviously, I don't want to prejudge him based on roles that he hasn't written himself. Yeah. But it seems very much... When people criticise Adam Sandler or even Kevin James of being lowest common denominator mm. kind of uh, idiot America comedy... Yeah. I, I think you really need to look at people like Nick Swardson, Rob Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and go, yeah, there, there's there's a far lower level. Yeah, yeah. Um well, it's, it's not, not for us. No, it's not a kind of thing. But Adam Sandler must have seen something in him, I suppose, uh, at some point, and, and that's how he got in the entourage. I mean, uh, maybe he's great at golf. Adam Sandler likes his sports. <laughs> <laughs> they go out and play golf together, and that's that. Yeah. But his, his performance in, in this film is noticeable as yeah. being bad. It's a genuine low light. Um, some of what happens in a lot of Adam Sandler films is you get a lot of product placement. Mm-hmm. You get a holiday somewhere, so you can basically go on holiday for half the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a luxury resort happens a lot in Adam, especially the later Adam Sandler films. Yeah. A lot of cameos of people he'd like to meet, uh-huh. but then if they get along, Johnny Mac's been in a fair few now. Anger management, Mr. Deeds, oh, yeah. this. So clearly Johnny Mac went from beyond being uh, a comedy cameo to someone they have regularly popping up in Adam Sandler films. Mariah Carey, I don't think, comes back for a second appearance. No, well, she she 
I'd say she's not used to her best ability in this, but I'm not sure. She, it's a bit weird. It's just a, it's a strange because it's quite funny earlier on in the film that Zohan's always wearing like a Mariah Carey yeah. T-shirt, and that's like a, a visual joke that's mm. never referenced really. I think I think it's part of the whole disco, disco uh, people from the Middle East like stuff that's maybe obvious. twenty twenty five yeah. years out of date and seem to think it's the coolest thing ever. So when they turn up in America and realise no one has their hair cut in the Avalon mm-hmm. like Tony Danza anymore, <laughs> or uh, is that into Mariah Carey anymore? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But then she pops up, she sings national anthem. Yeah, and but then they have her in various scenes where she has to act, and. Yeah. I'm not going to say she would, she's not game in the scenes, but she feels very out of place. It it almost feels like she's reacting to what the comedy performer's doing as if it is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I also don't know if she's the best choice. I mean, she's a huge star, but mm. from what I understand, maybe not so much here, but in America she still is. Like, you pay her quite a bit of dollar to go and see Mariah Carey. I think she got paid a lot of money to promote Walker's Crisps over here. Like, oh, she did an obscene that, amount. She? But yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I think the problem is, same as Britney, uh-huh. once someone becomes um, not as reliable mm. anymore in terms of turning up for live performances and engagements, yeah. it is actually quite hard for them to make money in terms of being a recording artist so it really is promoting other products right or their own brand that is where they make money because there's not a lot of money in releasing records or singles or albums yeah anymore. but then that makes it even worse because uh, one of the jokes in this is that mariah carey's desperate to get people to buy a new album that just makes it sad yeah but i think once you get to the point where um las vegas or a concert event then you can't rely on you doing a show a night then yeah. it must be very hard to make money yeah mm. okay fair enough um what did you think of Emmanuel Shriki she was fine mm. um I don't think she's Palestinian uh she I looked this up because I mm. thought she was uh, I, I guess I would say she's Latina yeah but no she's Canadian uh-huh. with parents who come from Morocco and Len- Lebanon oh okay oh well at least they they got <laughs> they, they can't still like yeah, yeah, yeah. um I think it's interesting that usually I would say there's a good half of Adam Sandler films that give really good female second lead roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that has great chemistry with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. He's very good with Jennifer Aniston. I'd say Jennifer Aniston's best comedies are when she's with Adam Sandler. Definitely, yeah. Um, but even less famous people, say, playing his wife or his girlfriend role, mm-hmm. generally are very good actresses, comedy mm-hmm. actors. Yeah. This does feel like maybe he's aiming towards someone who's maybe a little bit too young yeah maybe um you know we, we saw her in super troopers too oh she in super troopers too she's, yeah she is the um she works for the the culture the government she's like a i don't, I don't remember her role at the moment. does she say meow at any point no she doesn't well, I, no. I do not but that, i think that's the thing <laughs> like she is quite forgettable yeah um in in that um but she does look a little bit Palestinian, so... I, but I would say if you're she... going to recast any role, apart from obviously Nick Swardson, but I don't think that's negotiable with the yeah, yeah. group, I, I, I would have hoped that would have been someone maybe just a little bit... It would have been a really good lo- role for maybe a Jennifer Lopez. Or... <laughs> yeah, but then you would have had to have had like a, a, a Latina actress okay. playing what, n- what ethnicity is John Tatore? Uh, Italian? Yeah. And what ethnicity <laughs> does he play in this film? I know, but would it, would it have been right to have had, like, not a single Middle Eastern actor actually playing Middle Eastern So she's sticking a box. She's fine. It, unlike some of the... Unlike the Drew Barrymore and Jennifer Aniston films, this isn't primarily a romantic comedy, is it? It's like a side story. Yeah. And it's, it kind of fit, it suits a purpose in terms of the general plot as well. Mm. It's not that important. So, you know, do you, why waste a big part of the budget on getting someone for a role that really isn't that important? Fair enough. Cool. Okay. Uh, anything else you didn't like? Um, I wasn't... The, another sort of like type of joke that I wasn't that keen on was the... So, the Zohan is this amazing spy. And at the very beginning, we're introduced to his character 
when he's like he's kicking ass and he, he's really strong and he, he does this tug of war on his own against a bull and then he's really sexy and all these beautiful Israeli women he's, he's really sexy no no he is presented as being really <laughs> okay. sexy all these, these beautiful Israeli models are wearing bikinis he doesn't and, seem that interested in them uh, well no but th- that's because he's 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 so cool mm. I think that's the whole point mm. uh, and he he's really strong and skilled and he can do this thing where he kicks with both feet at the same time for very long periods of time. Yeah. None of those jokes I found funny. I wasn't that keen, I wasn't keen on that type of joke and it would have been okay if they were all just at the beginning to, to show us how great a spy he is. Yeah. But, um, but then they keep coming back and, and, and resurfacing and that's, yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for that. Well, that did, grated on me every single time. Did you know this is the second time in this podcast we've got a film that's based on a true story? <laughs> Don't laugh, it's true. Uh, <laughs> this is originally based on uh, a famous Hollywood hairstylist called uh, Nazi Arib, Arbib, okay. uh, who went from being an Israeli super soldier to a uh, Hollywood hairstylist. And he even gave Adam Sandler training on how to cut hair. Uh, and oh. equally, Vida Sassoon yeah. also served in the um, Israeli armed forces during uh, another war. <laughs> another yeah. one of their wars. But considering that Israel has... Um, national service. Yeah, exactly. Every, every, <laughs> every famous Israeli. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also been in the Israeli army. Natalie Portman has, has done her time. You there know. you go. Yeah. Um, so it <laughs> doesn't mean anything really, does it? I guess not. But, uh, uh, yeah, a little bit of fun. All right, let's have a break. So there's one last silky smooth thing you didn't enjoy about You Don't Mess With The Zohan. It wasn't something that I didn't enjoy. It was just one thing that I feel like I should comment upon uh, that I had a slight issue with. And it's my my issue. Uh, Just I couldn't always tell what they were saying, especially at the beginning. Um, like obviously Adam Sandler has an accent in it and at times not only is he is he using this quite strong accent like in his conversation with his parents he's also using slang that is completely unfamiliar Um, and (laughs) this was less so later on in the film it was just the first five or ten minutes the, the whole sentences I didn't understand and I got really confused and I'm sure I didn't miss any major jokes no but um, it would have been better if they would enunciate a little bit more. Sure. Okay. Um, My gripe. It's not, it's not a major issue. I quite enjoy the slang. I like Kiri because it's a nice, you know, bit of like Yiddish mm. slang, bit of patter. It's, yeah, nice to hear, but couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, uh, time for our regular questions. Uh-huh. Okay. Israel or Palestine? <laughs> <laughs> As this film has taught me, neither side is right. Both are crazy. Both are crazy. Zany Van Who was the Michael Parks of the film? Uh, he was uh, putting in full effort where maybe other people weren't. Well, it's a good job we changed the name of this category from who is the John Turturro of the film because my pick for this one is, is Nick John Turturro. <laughs> yeah, no, God, no. <laughs> it's John Turturro. He is... Uh, he's a baddie and he's like a boohist baddie, but he's also very likable and very funny. And I really enjoyed his scenes. All his moments are brilliant. We originally called the question who was the John Sturrow of the film yeah. for a very good reason. <laughs> and uh, even when, you know, doing a favour for a friend and probably getting more money than he makes most years, yeah. he was great in this. Oh, he's so good. Um, no arguments there. Right, product placement. Is it going to be hummus or fizzy bubbly? Well, I mean, there is so much hummus. Like, I really, really am craving hummus now because... I'll pop out and get you some after this. Thank you. <laughs> um, How about some baba ganoush? Baba ganoush as well. Just pile it up or wash down with some fizzy bubble. <laughs> um, I don't think I'd drink fizzy bubble. It's not a real product. You don't have to worry about okay. it. Okay. Though he does at one point drink a juice that's like watermelon and kiwi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's that good flavour combinations, is it? It's, it's beautiful. Um... Yeah, there's lots of hummus. But obviously hummus is a product, not a brand. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have got any kickback from no. like some kind of hummus syndicate, probably. Um, but there is other stuff. Sony Ericsson. Yeah, Sony made the, the film. One. Right, okay, well then that makes sense. Um, hair products? Made yeah. Like bedhead hair products and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, someone kicks some money in. Yeah, but I suppose there isn't the usual kind of 
uh, Pepsi or Coke uh, product placement because everyone is drinking fizzy bubbly. More often than not, especially in your pre You Don't Mess With The Zohan Adam Sandler films, there would even be the Adam Sandler character in an actual advert for a fast food chain. Oh, really? Uh, I think it happens quite often in the films. The most famous ones for Subway and Happy Gilmore. Uh, But there there are various other uh, instances. Has he run out of fast food trains by this point? (laughs) Or maybe they didn't want to get involved in in the conflict. Again, there's a lot... Well, maybe. (laughs) But there would be competition from uh, the Phantom's Muckentucken, which is what the... the, John Turturro's baddie does when he thinks he's destroyed um, Zohan. I would go, I'd definitely go to Pitticane. Mm. Bluff on us. Right. <laughs> I'm not the one in this house who <laughs> has been to a restaurant and just ordered a bowl of hummus right, before. Yeah. When, when we were in Lisbon for a recent holiday, a relatively recent holiday, yeah. we went to a really good, hard to find, but really good Israeli restaurant. Yeah, almost impossible to find. Yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, sat down, ordered our meal, <laughs> and we had a hummus to share as a side of our meal. And it was so nice that when Natalie had her dessert, I decided to order another main of hummus which, and have that as my dessert. Which baffled the poor Israeli waiter. Well, maybe, maybe no one... they should do a better sign on their hard-to-find restaurant that you know <laughs> where it is because we walked around that area and passed that restaurant about eight or nine times. <laughs> it's called Tantora, yep. if anyone's interested Absolutely in going. It's brilliant. one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. Look ahead, give yourself 20 more minutes than you think you're going to need to find it. Yeah, it's, it is, it's impossible, but it is worth it. It was absolutely brilliant. Tantora, Lisbon, your hummus is beautiful, just put a sign out. And now they've been set up for, you know, expecting people to order just a bowl of hummus for their dessert. I had it, it was delicious dessert. Did they bring you any bread? Yeah, of course they did, okay. they're good kids. <laughs> <laughs> One and a half bowls of hummus. <laughs> We're not talking about the pots you buy in Sainsbury's for your lunch. We're oh, talking no, this, about... It was like a cereal bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, if you can make one change to You Don't Mess With The Zohan to improve it, we're not saying it's a perfect film. No. What's the one change you'd make that made you think people who aren't instantly prejudiced against the idea of an Adam Sandler film might enjoy the film? Uh... So not something that not a change that would make it more palatable for me, personally. Yeah, I, I think there's, there there must be a reason why people think it's rated two point two and not worthy of, yeah, their praise, even though it's a very funny, broad, enjoyable comedy. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because you would think that people would go and see because this is this is late on in Adam Sandler's career. Yeah. Now you go and see an Adam Sandler film you know what to expect. So you either don't go and see the film because you don't like Adam Sandler or you go and you enjoy it because if you're an Adam Sandler fan, you would enjoy this film. Yeah. It has all I think it's, it's like Batman and Robin, again, I think it's a film that people have piled onto but maybe even haven't seen the film or don't remember enjoying it mm-hmm. and just instantly go when they see it on one of these websites, I need to give a rating for that. It's, it's, it's one of the worst Adam Sandler films I'm going to give it half a star rather than, you know... It's probably a three, three and a half out of five film in terms of entertainment value and quality of filmmaking. Yeah, mm. okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe play up the whole fish out of water thing a little bit more um, because I think there's a lot more fun that could have been had there that they just yeah. didn't touch on. You know, like the coming to America kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, the, the first half, which I think is the best half of the film, mm. has a Crocodile Dundee kind of element to it. Yeah, mm. Because he, he thinks that he's really cool and really impressive, but then he goes to one of the coolest places in the world mm. and finds out that all of his hairstyles that he can do are from the 80s. Yeah. So maybe they could have just made a bit more of that. Yeah. I don't know. But apart from that, the, the, the crudity and the over-the-top kind of daft violence of his spy uh, skills, not for me. But I don't think it's right for me to say these things should be taken out because... There's other people who would enjoy it. Exactly, yeah. In the same way that some people think Click is a really good Adam Sandler film, but I don't think I could sit through it again. I've never seen that one. Um, Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay, uh, we've done James Spader. Would you remake? You don't mess with the Zohan. (laughs) What, just 12 years later? uh, Stranger things have happened in Hollywood. No, what I would say is, in terms of Adam Sandler making his films, I would prefer him to concentrate more on when he's not putting in an excellent turn, playing it straight in films like Uncut Gems, which he was absolutely brilliant in, when he's making his comedies, he sticks more to his lovely, old-fashioned, romantic comedies with Drew Barrymore. Mm. um, Because 
they're, they're just so nice to watch. You want him to be more your small town guy, broken hearted, anger issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so in that way, in the sense that I wouldn't want him to remake You Don't Mess With a Zohan, as in I don't want him to necessarily make more films of that ilk. I think this, in my head, is the most he's gone outside of his comfort zone in terms of playing a broad comedy character that isn't Adam Sandler. Mm. If you see what I mean. Like, you could... Different shades of Happy Gilmore to um, The Wedding Singer to, say, the character he plays in Murder Mystery. Mm-hmm. They're all essentially Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know, yeah. These different levels of anger. Mm-hmm. Maybe slightly different voice occasionally or skill set. Yeah. But recognise the Adam Sandler. Zohan is its own character. Yeah. It's not... He's not playing that type. And uh, I think that's something to be praised. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he did a very good job of it. And his performance the whole way through is very consistent. Yes. You know, he puts in full effort. He's very funny. Mm. The the accent, the voice, the gestures and everything like that. Mm. He maintains it and he's clearly thought thought about them. Mm. Um, but, but I like him. Mm. I like him as him being someone who ends up with women far more beautiful than you'd expect him to. Well, he has in real life. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's married to the same lady for 20 years and she's, yeah. she's, she's a model. Yeah. Uh, she crops up in things as well, I think I've seen her. Yeah, she's part of the gang. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because he's a nice person. Yeah. Under it all. I think so as well. I yeah. Think that's, yeah. I think, like Russell Crowe, I reckon you could go for a beer with Adam Sandler and he's one of the guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a normal guy who's just happened to have carved himself a very successful film career. Mm-hmm. Okay, which brings us to our last question. I think we both know the answer. Oh, one. yes. Is You Don't Mess With The Zohan worse or better than Bad Boys? Uh, it's got a lot less hummus in it. A lot less fizzy bubbler. Mm-hmm. This is Bad, Bad Boys. Boys. Uh, and, and it is a worse film. So I would say that I've done this the wrong way around, haven't I? The question is which is the better film. Yeah, we're doing... Don't mess with, you Don't Mess With The Zohan's a better film. Yeah. So it's better than Bad Boys. Yeah, yeah, it's better than Bad Boys. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that as well. Yeah. I, I would say this third watch, it may be great. It's a little bit in the second half, a bit more for me than I was expecting. It wasn't the great time I had in the cinema uh, 12, 13 years ago. But it's still a very funny comedy with more than enough uh, laugh-out-loud moments. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Next week, we are covering, we're going to watch Lost in Space, the... Uh, 1997, I'm right. going to say, uh, attempt to reboot the 60s Irwin Allen TV series with Matt LeBlanc, yep. Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. Heather Graham, and Mimi Rogers, William Hurt, and Lacey Chabert. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. You couldn't get, like, a more 1997. Yeah. We can't actually afford a star kind of cast. I think most of the money probably went on Gary Oldman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway, we will discuss that in full after watching it, Lost in Space, next week. But um, for all our silky smooth hopefuls, <laughs> everyone who likes a disco disco, uh, fizzy bubbly, thank you very much for listening. Thank you.